here and welcome to my podcast, Pure Happy Healthy. My name is Leandra Haupt, I'm your host, and today I will speak about intuitive eating with Amber Romania. She is an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert, a CEO and speaker, and the podcast host of No Sugar Coating. We speak about so many important and interesting topics, about everything about self-love and self-care, how to rediscover your intuition, how to overcome emotional eating, and she shares her own private story and how she got to the work that she is doing. And it was so amazing speaking with her because we are active in the same field and it's always so good to hear that other women are also into that work and just help other women and also other men to yeah, just become free from any eating disorder. And there's so much work to be done because a lot of women and just generally people all around the world struggle from these issues. And the more we speak about it and the more open we speak about it, the more we give others also permission to share their stories and to realize that it's okay to seek for help and it's okay to speak about this topic. I'm so grateful for her work and her interview that we have and everything that she shares. So enjoy this episode and without further ado, we get into this beautiful episode with Amber Romania. Hi and welcome Amber. I'm super, super happy to get to talk to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super grateful to connect with you. Um, it's This is why I love podcasts because you can connect with anyone anywhere, right? Exactly. That's one of my main motivations always. You can have interesting uh, conversations with inspiring people um, and make others listen to it. So that's beautiful. <laughs> um, before we dive deep into the conversation of today's topic, I would like to know what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh man, what I usually have every morning in the fall. Um, so I had oatmeal with coconut oil and cinnamon and apples and blueberries and collagen and some pecans. Mm, wow, that sounds super delicious and healthy. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it funny? I sometimes think about it that most people have a fixed breakfast. They've been eating for years and years and years. And But the lunch and the dinner or the snacks, um, if you would eat it every single day the same, then we would consider it as weird. Yeah, isn't, you know isn't what's that funny about that? Yeah, yeah it's true. <laughs> it's funny because usually I'll go through a phase where I'll do like my oatmeal and put different things in it for a while. And then I go to smoothies and put like different things in that. And then I'll go to like eggs for a while. And then I'll go to like chia pudding. But I find every few months my body just all of a sudden is like, I don't want that anymore. I want this now. And so I just you know, feel into what my body wants and change it as I go along. Um, but I love breakfast. I think it's like my favorite. Sometimes you make breakfast for supper, pancakes, and you know, it's fun, right? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with breakfast. I never, ever skip a breakfast. Like it's so important for me to even start the day and get the energy. Otherwise I'm, my brain is not working and my body is also not working. So I can completely relate to that. <laughs> Most important meal of the day. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, which brings us um, closer to today's topic already. Um, but maybe you better describe by yourself, like 
who are you and what are you currently working on and what is your general work or maybe even purpose in this world? Yeah, thank you. I, that's a great question. And so I discovered my purpose through overcoming my own food addiction, you know, body image struggles, emotional eating, binge eating, you know, I went through all of that. And so I'm an emotional eating, digestive and hormone expert, and I help coach and support women all over the world to overcome um, food addiction, emotional eating and, and claim food and body freedom. And I also help them balance their hormones and their digestive issues and, you know, help with energy levels and of course the self-love body image piece and help women undo the old diet conditioning and you know weight focus conditioning that has been so heavily placed upon us in society um, and I've had my business up now for seven years and my purpose is really to help women wake up from you know the sleep that they've been in just like going back and forth between restrictive diets and over exercising and falling then back into emotional eating and being hard on their bodies and helping them wake up to learning how to listen to their bodies, being aware of their bodies, how to have a healthy, mindful relationship with food in their body. And ultimately what then that does is it helps women reconnect and awaken to their intuition and their true essence, which is such a gift and we all have it, but it's been so suppressed by self-sabotage, by being distracted with external focus instead of internal um so that's why i'm here to help wake women up and help them gain peace and freedom and take their power back this is so very much needed in this world i almost don't know any woman who hasn't or has uh, not a trouble with body image of like their own body and in some sort a distorted eating behavior so um, yeah, super, super grateful that you do uh, that amazing and very important work. Um, you've already mentioned it, you've come through it uh, from your own experience. And I think we often um, do or see a purpose in life through something that we've experienced or struggled with with a long time, because that's how we actually, by fighting through it, get or uh, become the expert and learn all about it. And then at one point we are able to um, yeah, teach or help others who struggle with that same um, problem. So yeah. if you just if you want, um, would you like to share your personal story and what actually brought you on the way of helping and teaching other women now? Yeah, for sure. So there's a few kind of life defining moments for me that happened when I was growing up that really, I think, fueled my body image insecurities and my relationship with food. And so the first one, was when I was five, it was my first day taking the bus and I got on the bus and I was super excited, right? New adventure, new experience. And I got on the bus and the older boys in the back, they started to call me ugly and fat. And so that really hit me hard. I took it on. I didn't know how to deflect a comment like that. Um, and I really believed them. So I became very shy, very insecure, very critical of my body because well, perfect strangers said this to me, so it must be true. Um, and so I think then, you know, from then on, I really just didn't want to have any friends that were boys for fear of being bullied or called names. Um, and, you know, then it was really like, food is my friend. It tastes good. I can have whatever I want, whenever I want. There was always all sorts of stuff at home um, because my mom, even still to this day, is a food addict. So I could eat as much ice cream or chips or chocolate or whatever I wanted because there was always so much available at home and there was never any, like portion control um so just growing up I thought it was normal to eat 
junk food and watch TV and just sit there and have as much as I wanted. And so I started dieting in my, you know, when I was about 10, 11, 12, because I started reading magazines. And of course you see the images in the magazines and you think, oh, look at how perfect they look. I want to look like them. Little did I know they Photoshop everything. They alter everything, right? And so there, here comes the conditioning again. I'm getting conditioned that unless I look this way, unless I fit into a certain box, I'm not good enough. I'm not going to have, you know, the success, the money, the love, the admiration from others if I don't fit into this box, which is to me really what celebrities in Hollywood and magazines and social media and TV have, you know, tried to convince us of is that we need to be thin and have a flat stomach. And that's everything when it's not anything at all. Right. Um, but being that that narrative was pushed so heavy, I really believed it. And so dieting all through my teens. Um, and then it was when I was about 21 that I had, really just gone to the point where I was so frustrated with my body and I started restricting heavily um, and lost weight really quickly, was over-exercising like two hours a day every day. And I quote unquote got what I thought was the perfect body, but I wasn't any happier. In fact, I felt more insecure. I was picking apart my body even more, becoming more critical going, oh, well, I reached my goal weight. Maybe I can lose a few more pounds. Maybe I can like get rid of this little bit of fat. And I still didn't have the flat stomach that I wanted. And so I kept like obsessing about it more and then my cycle disappeared and right so it's like it was fueling the obsession even more and it wasn't healthy mentally physically or emotionally and then one day I was just like I can't maintain this and so it's like a switch flipped and then I just started binge eating and so it's like I'd go out and buy an ice cream cake and just like binge and eat as much of it as I could and like baked goods and like chips and chocolate and cereal like I could eat a whole box of cereal and once I started to eat bread I couldn't stop and like cheese and I just a lot of things I couldn't have any control around and then I would obviously eat to the point where I was so full and discomfort and then the next day I would freak out and panic because I gained weight and then I would go to the gym and work out as hard as I could to compensate and restrict as much as I could. And then of course it would only last a few days or a few weeks before I would go back and forth. And so I then gained like 60 pounds in four months and was the heaviest that I'd ever been and was just devastated because now I'm like, I'm hiding at home. I don't want my friends to see me and notice, right? Like that I've gained a bunch of weight. I don't want anyone to know that I'm struggling. I didn't even know I was struggling with binge eating yet. Right. It was just so, it was a huge blow to my, like false self-esteem that I created through being smaller. Um, and so that lasted for about a year where it was just like gaining weight, fighting with my body, binging all the time, isolating, not going out and being social. And I was only 21. So to be so limiting, you know, because I'm not a certain weight, you have to be below this number if you want to go out and date or be social or see certain friends. And, you know, I had eight different sizes of clothing in my closet. So it was like my weight was just fluctuating all over the place all the time. Right. So for me, the low point of that was I had finished a binge one night and I was crying on the couch because I was in so much pain. Like when you're so bloated, like, you know, it's, you feel like your insides are just going to explode. Like it just, it hurts so bad, the, the physical and emotional pain. And, you know, I was just laying on the couch. I, I finally had figured out that likely I was binge eating and I was struggling with food addiction and I didn't know how to stop or what to do about it. And I just thought to myself, if I keep doing this, I don't know if I'm going to make it to 30 because I'm being so destructive to my body. Like I'm always bloated. I'm exhausted. I don't feel well. I'm way overweight. I hate my body. I'm always saying negative things to her. I'm eating all these processed foods all the time. Like how is any of this good for my health? 
right? So I was just concerned that due to the destructive, you know, action I was putting on my body that she would just not, she would just give out one day. And that was really scary to think, you know, be 22 and, and even think that. And so I was like, I need to figure out what to do. So if this is the last time, right, all or nothing mentality came up, and it's the last time I'm going to do this, I might as well have a bit more of the food because tomorrow I'm going to like try and figure out how to fix this. And so of course, then I went and I dug through the garbage in my kitchen. And that was like such a low point for me at the time because I thought I just dug through the garbage to eat more of the food. I just ate out of a garbage can. Who am I? Like it really, that's what crossed my mind. Like I'm not this person that's meant to be doing this stuff. Why am I doing this? I didn't think my life was going to be like this, you know? And so, but I needed that to happen because it was that moment that I went, I'm afraid to know what life's going to be like without revolving it around food. I'm afraid to know what this journey is going to look like. I don't know how I'm going to overcome this or how I'm going to get there, but I'm suffering so badly. I can no longer let fear be in the way of me figuring this out. And so that's really what inspired me to go. I don't know how, but I'm going to get on this path and just start like making my way through the jungle, like making my own trail. Um, I didn't get help. I didn't feel comfortable getting help. There was something within me that was like, I need to do this on my own. And now I know why, because obviously I didn't know at the time I'd be helping other people, but I think that's why I chose to do it on my own. And I had this feeling of that because I have the brain and the mindset of what my now clients are going through. And I understand them so fully because I went through it myself from the aspect of emotional eating, body image, the weight obsession, the scale obsession, and then dealing with the hormone and the digestive pieces and food sensitivities and nutrition. So, um, I essentially started to learn about, you know, sugar first and how refined sugar excites the same part of the brain as a hard drug does and how, you know, it's 10 times more addictive than cocaine and it blew my mind. I'm like, no wonder I always lose control with sugar. Oh, I don't feel crazy anymore. Like, so then I, and then I started reading about how it, you know, fed candida and made me bloated. And then I started reading about gluten and how gluten is the inflammatory protein in wheat. And here, of course, it's different in North America than it is in Europe because um, we have the GMOs and stuff. So it just makes it worse. Um, and then I started reading about dairy and that part of the component of the casein, which is the protein in dairy, excites the same part of the brain as a hard drug. No wonder I'd eat a piece of cheese and then I, I couldn't stop, right? So it's like the, the impact that this stuff was having on my brain chemistry was so intensive and starting to learn about the impacts on me it helped me find, start to find some inner peace inside. And so I started to learn more about food, changing the way that I ate. I did go gluten and dairy-free because it just felt better for me. And it took me dozens of attempts to cut out refined sugar, but I finally did because for me, that just felt like an important part of the addiction. I still was binging after that. And that's when I realized how emotional the journey really was. And that's when I realized why I don't know how to handle stress. I don't know how to feel my emotions. I'm scared to feel my emotions. Um, I need to figure out what's triggering me to emotionally eat and I don't love myself. So I, I want to start figuring out how to do that. So that was really the next phase of the healing journey was figuring out healthy ways to cope with stress and healthy ways to cope with my emotions so that I wasn't using food. So self-care really came into play meditation, deep breathing, EFT tapping, journaling, reading books, getting out into nature, 
breathe, you know, just like things that are going to calm my nervous system down, discovering essential oils, you know, relaxing music, things that just made me feel so much better. And that's really what I focused on using to cope with stress and my emotional eating triggers. And it really helped me start to turn the bend where the emotional eating was just happening less and less and less. Um, and it really, um, it really started to help me feel more confident because now I wasn't emotional eating all the time. And I started to overcome that part. And I started to allow myself to feel my emotions. And even if it was fear, I'm like, it's safe to feel this. Nothing bad's going to happen if I just sit and feel it. And nothing bad ever did happen by just sitting and feeling. And so it was the accumulative of changing the way that I ate and overcoming emotional eating and learning how to cope in a healthy way with my emotions, catching negative self-talk and going to positive self-talk, ditching the scale, ditching diets, learning how to listen to my body and nourish her in, in a way that felt good for me. That's what really filled my void, you know, my lack of self-love void. And then I really naturally just learned how to love myself through all of this journey. And that's when I discovered my intuition and, you know, feeling and being an empath and learning how to manage my energy and have a good energy hygiene routine. And, you know, that was the last piece for me was discovering I am this spiritual you know, spirit, having a human experience. And this is the healing I came here to do and my purpose to be here and then aid and help other women. So that's like the long short of it, but that's essentially my story. And then what inspired me to start my business, because I'm like, if I struggled with this, how many other women are struggling with this, you know, all over. Um, and it's been seven years now that I've had my business and I'm just so honestly grateful that I do get to help women with this and do get to witness them gain freedom and get to a place that they've really never been before with feeling empowered. And um, even to just share on this podcast. And if one person just hears this and knows they're not alone and it's okay, like that's the goal. Ultimately it really is the goal is that you're not alone and you don't have to struggle and suffer with this or be hard on yourself. If this is, you know, currently what you're dealing with. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so important to speak about it because um, once we speak about it, we give allowance to other people as well to speak about it and to realize that they have a problem and that there is help available like we're offering. And I can relate so much to it as well, to your story, which you were sharing. So thank you for sharing this story so openly. Um, I had a very similar story, if you might know, when you listen to my other podcast about my anorexia story and the one about body dysmorphia. And I, yeah, really struggled a long time about all kinds of um, food, binge eating, but also later being anorexic and then still fighting that constant battle with food in my mind. And I'm just so grateful now that I've went on that journey, even though it was a long, long healing journey, but now I can help other women and we go through this journey, I think, in order to help others afterwards and then just with sharing our story and then helping others at the point where they're at that already has such a big difference in life and makes such an impact. So thank you for your work. And I'm, yeah, I'm also so happy to be able to help women with this. And yeah, so you were talking already a lot about um, the term emotional eating. Would you maybe go a bit deeper into that term and define what that means and what it maybe meant in your story? 
Totally. Yeah, that's a great question. And so emotional eating is any reason for eating other than physical nourishment. So whether it's like you're bored and that triggers you to eat or you associate eating and watching TV, you're eating on the run all the time and it's very mindless. You're eating and working, you're eating because you're sad, you're eating because you're happy, but you're not actually physically hungry. Um, you know, I think there's different levels of emotional eating. So for some people, it's like maybe you get sad and then you eat half of a chocolate bar, right? Um, and then for others, it's like they get sad and then they eat five chocolate bars. And then for some people, they get sad and they eat a whole basket full of food. And that was me. Like I'd eat until I was so physically full, I felt sick, right? So then you have the full-blown food addiction, which is where you're constantly thinking about food. You're obsessing about food. You want to have such deep control over food for fear of losing control. You're like driving to the store to buy the food or you, there's certain things you just can't have in your house for fear of losing control. Maybe you limit your social interactions because you know if you go to this person's house, they're going to have foods that tempt you and you just, you can't for the life of you be around it. And so it gets to that full blown food addiction where it really does play a role on every area of your life. And, um, it can feel very all consuming and like, it's all you focus your energy on. And so I think that's where it's so important to have compassion for yourself if you're struggling and, and know that it's, you know, to not be ashamed and not be embarrassed. Like you don't know what you don't know. And you, you've been conditioned to this point and you've gotten into these habits but it's okay because now you have the opportunity to go on a healing journey whenever you're ready and no one can force you to it's you've got to choose you know that you want to you know get the help um but that it's at, at your pace and that you can heal you can overcome it and it's just the most beautiful journey that you can ever go on because you learn how to make peace with food you build a healthy relationship with food um, with your body, you learn how to love your body and listen to your body. And I think that those are the biggest gifts that we can really give ourselves because then guess what? You're not relying on other people to tell you how to take care of yourself. You now know how to take care of yourself with it, which I think is like the key mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah, I totally agree that the biggest obstacles that we have to <laughs> overcome in life are usually our biggest gifts. Once we've overcome there and we've learned along the story, and in our cases, it's, of course, the history with food and getting a healthy relationship with food. And also part of the journey was to trust your intuition and really reconnect to your body and to that uh, deeper wisdom that we can call intuition. And as for myself, I really slowly yeah, came to know my body and came to dive deeper into really this deep wisdom there and the intuition really also learned how to trust my intuition that you said you also discovered and we can really apply this intuition onto everything not only on the food and the food choices we make or each day and the grocery choices that we make but also to every single aspect in life and I really follow my intuition now with everything and if I have to make a decision I really also dive deep into my intuition and ask and just see what comes up there also in meditation, for example. But uh, I feel like a lot of people have really lost their connection here. So what would be some tools that we can practice to get back into our intuition and to, yeah, just dive deep? Yeah, well, I think you can start with simple things like maybe you're driving somewhere and your intuition's like, go this way instead of this way. And, and like trusting that and going that way, like which road should I take today to get where I'm going? Or, you know, um, 
does it feel, you know, maybe you're reading an article or you're watching something and you're like, how does this feel for me? Does this feel resonant or does this feel wrong? And I'm practicing like tuning into that, right? Um, I think things that help to awaken the intuition is overcoming emotional eating because emotional eating suppresses the intuition. Too much technology time, I think really ungrounds us and suppresses our intuition. Um, being convinced that we have to put all of our trust, hope and faith in others in the sense of like trusting someone else's opinion and they're the only one that's right. No, we have to start discerning and going back inside and going, no, how do I feel about this? What does this feel right for me or does something feel off about this? And if it feels off, maybe I'm going to do some exploration around it. Um, crystals, essential oils, Epsom salt baths, Himalayan salt all help us to raise our frequency and, you know, our intuition, meditation, EFT tapping, working on the subconscious mind. Um, also, uh, you know, I think learning what our intuition is and it's our, it, it really is like a, our true essence in our heart and, you know, what is kind of like our lie detector, like it's always right, you know, like you can feel if something is off. Um, I also really think it's important that we have quiet time in nature, right? Getting out in nature, putting your feet in the grass, like connecting with nature because nature is the perfect energy frequency. It really helps to raise us up and can help us, you know, feel more in tune with ourselves. Obviously having good nutrition and eating nutritious foods and whole foods and is close to nature. Most of the time, like we have to have balance and mindful indulgence is part of that. Um, but that's where the healing of the relationship with food and learning how to love your body and to be grateful that she's just this powerful vessel that you get to live in. And she does so many incredible things. Like when you can get to that point where there's such admiration and fascination for your body and for you and everything that you're here to do, I just think it's a game changer and it really takes you to a place of gratitude and through time of practice of listening to your intuition and trusting it, it gets stronger, right? So it's, I think a good self care practice is really important for um, developing the intuition and not thinking by a certain time you have to like be at a certain place with your intuitive gifts or that you don't, you're not as psychic as this person or you don't have this intuitive gift that this other person has. Like we all have our own special, you know, uniqueness about us. And I think it's important to not compare yourself and to embrace your, what is your unique set of gifts that you have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my experience, it, the intuition is usually the first thought that comes up as well. Like sometimes we tend to think, Oh, Why do we think of this situation now? Or why do we think about this? This seems rationally totally stupid and I don't want to believe in this. But usually that is already the solution. And it's always good to take a closer look at that as well and feel in it again. And then usually yeah. it, the, the feeling doesn't go away or that thought and then it grows stronger. Because I think the intuition or even... I, I, I think the intuition is somehow identical with the subconscious. It's always faster than than our consciousness yeah. so therefore it, it's mostly the first thought and the first idea we have about something and then um yeah it's just a matter of practice as well to just um notice it and then go for it and really just start to trust that first feeling yeah um, exactly and then um all the things that you described are also really good self-love tools, how to learn self-love. So 
Would you also agree um, that intuition and strengthening in the intuition is go really going hand in hand with learning self-love and mm. getting to self-love? Yeah, and I do think that, um, you know, in no particular order, they can happen first. So I have some people who heavily find that they discover their intuition before they love themselves. And then it's, you know, they go, okay, I'm feeling, I know what to do to trust my intuition, but I still am conditioned to like be critical of my body. So I'm going to work on catching the negative self-talk and unfollowing people on social media that are triggering me um, and, you know, starting to do positive affirmations or using tools to dig out the negative self-talk out of the subconscious mind and plant new positive seeds of I am this, I am beautiful, I am love, I love myself, I'm gra grateful for my body because and bringing more of that in. And then for others, they really learn the self-love first and then as they do so, they notice the intuition gets stronger. So it really depends on the person. But yes, they're, they're very much connected. And it's beautiful because the more confident and loving you become of yourself, the more you trust that inner voice. The more you trust your mm -hmm. intuition, the more peace you have on a regular basis, the happier you are, the more joy you have. So regardless of what's going on in the external world, you have inner peace within. And what for some people right now may feel like a very scary time, for others feels very exciting because you deeply know, like you can feel the shift in all the amazing things happening and coming, we just can't see it yet you know, maybe, right. But that's also the beauty of working on the intuition and doing this work on yourself to learn how to cope with stress in a healthy way and not need to have control of the external and trust the flow and trust your path and why you're here is because you do, you just, you have more joy and, and peace and happiness. And maybe some days you can't put a finger on why or like, why do I feel, I just feel so great today. And everyone else is like, how do you feel great today? And it's like, well, because you're creating your own reality and you're choosing the way you want to view the world and yourself. And you know that you get to create your inner peace. It's your responsibility to go inside and, and do the work and create this oasis within you, right? Rather than relying on all these things outside of you. Yes, you can get help from other people, But at the end of the day, we're the ones that have to sit inside of ourselves with our thoughts and feelings and emotions. So why wouldn't you want to work on it so it could you could feel more at ease with yourself, right? Mm. Yeah, thanks so much for bringing this up with the, with the trust because I really think all these three things go hand in hand and then one adds up to the other. So um, self-love, intuition and trust because yes. it's really intuition is basically the trust in yourself. And if you have trust in yourself that everything is okay, then I think you can also trust your outer circumstances and trust in the world even if there's crazy things going on in the world and then but still trust that everything is gonna be okay and mm -hmm. that you're well taken care of and mm -hmm. I think this really takes a lot of fear and stress out of your life when um, you you have the feeling of being completely in, in alignment with yourself and, and in that deep deep trust um, so I think this is all really heavily involved with each other and really makes you a more content and a happy yeah. human being definitely in all aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like you're just more grateful too. Like when you can quiet the chatter in the mind, which is that ego, more left brain, self-sabotaging mindset, and you can get into your heart and 
you just feel more grateful for everything all the time. And then you like, you're shining your light and you're just like, I want everyone to feel this way. So I'm going <laughs> to smile more when I go and I'm going to compliment people more when I go out and I'm going to ask how people's day is going. And like, I want to do that because if I can make even one person smile or like have a better day, then because I've taken care of me first though, right? Not to overcompensate and go, I have nothing left for myself, but now I'm going to go and try and make a bunch of other people mm. happy, right? We've got to take care of our own first. Oh yeah, definitely. Like self-care and filling up your own cup is so important in order to have that energy and have the courage to help the others after that. And so self-care and self-love should always be your number one focus before you can help others. And then you can help others even better with that. If we talk about intuitive eating, a lot of people would say that then their cravings are only for very unhealthy things. And I think it's also connected that they don't trust the intuition or they maybe haven't really deeply dove into the topic of the intuition. But I think there is a lot of fear behind that topic of intuitive eating in terms of making unhealthy choices and making things that might be not good for the body and kind of also like the loss of control over the eating habits. So what do you say to your clients if people come up with that kind of idea on intuitive eating? Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up. So I don't really like the whole concept of intuitive eating because I do think people panic because they think, well, if yeah, if I'm craving sugar, does that mean I eat sugar? And it's like, no. So we have to have the person overcome emotional eating and get rid of the refined cravings. So the the refined sugar cravings, the fast food cravings, et cetera, because those are not intuitive. Those are falsely developed by the companies to make you addicted to them. So that's not intuitive, right? That's got nothing to do with it. After though, after you learn how to listen to your body and you've cleaned up the internal environment and you're no longer having any of those cravings, which yes, is fully possible, um, then you may crave more fruit or you may crave certain proteins or you may crave more vegetables or you may particularly crave cucumbers or something that you're like, for whatever reason, I need to eat apples this week or I need more lemons and maybe you're deficient in the vitamin C or maybe there's a mineral or a vitamin or something that you're craving. And so then sometimes, you know, when we're getting those natural, more whole foods cravings, it's to tune into that intuition and go, yeah, maybe I, I'm going to add more of that to my food this week. And in that nature you know, you can tune more into the intuition, but I don't really even like the term intuitive eating because it just feels like another diet versus just going on. I'm going to eat what makes me feel good. that nourishes my body and energizes me. And if it seems like this week, I need to add more fat or more carbs or more protein. I'm going to honor that. And as I do that, just notice if my body feels more energy now or more, my blood sugar is more balanced and focusing on food more as a nourishment um, versus getting worried about if I'm craving certain things, you know, that like, there must be something wrong with my intuition or man, I don't want to eat more sugar because it just doesn't make me feel good. So we have to overcome those refined cravings. And then, you know, the body will start to give some signals of things that likely needs due to deficiency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people are not aware that there are so many preservatives and so much yeah. sugar and so much food that it's actually not their body craving. Like, I mean, it is their body craving for it, but because they're addicted yeah. and not because yeah. their body actually needs it in terms of um, the minerals and vitamins that are in there and that is actually doing their body good. So, um, yeah, but then it feels so good to be off that. And then slowly, I think also once you're off it, 
you will start to dive deeper into the intuition and trusting really what you need because um, yeah this is kind of blocking it and I feel yeah. it's always in the way when you don't get that out of your system um, I would like to move on to a quick round of uh, fire questions sure. um, before we end this interview um, so I mean I kind of know what you're going to say now but uh, what can we do for better health today <laughs> uh, we've got to work on our mindsets because it's our mindsets that's dictating the way you're behaving with food your body etc so to be honest with you Shut your TV off, spend time off of technology, set healthy boundaries with technology and screen time, spend more time outside, dedicate like an area in your house that's like your little sanctuary, maybe you have certain plants, crystals, a waterfall, like a certain photo, a comfy pillow, a blanket, and have that be like your little self-care area, right? A little quiet area where you can go and really relax and, and get into self-care. So I think that's also important that you have a safe space in your house where you can do, self, do self-care and it feels indulgent. And to, you know, as you shut off the screens, you end up finding you have more time for self-care. So, you know, build a self-care routine that you can dedicate time for yourself every day, even if it's just 15 minutes a day for starters, but you'll feel so much better and it will give you a healthy outlet to cope with your emotions and your stressors. So I think that's really important first step. The next thing is be aware of your relationship with food. And if you do struggle with any kind of emotional eating, again, no shame, no embarrassment, um, but start to ask yourself this really important question before you go to food, which is, is this physical hunger or emotional hunger? Did I just eat? Do I really need to eat again? Is there something else here? That's a very powerful question to start to ask yourself because you're probably likely going to find nine times out of 10, it's emotional hunger, or maybe you'll find you're not eating regularly through the day. And that's actually having an impact on, you know, being hungry all the time. So that's a very powerful question to ask yourself and then get enough sleep, you know, get your eight plus hours, drink enough water. But I think, you know, the mindset's the biggest piece because it's just dictating how you're behaving in all areas of life. Mm, beautiful. <laughs> um, was there any book or a movie or podcast that was a game changer for you? That's a good question. Um, I really loved the book You Can Heal Your Life by Louise L. Hay. That was such a great self-love book. It still is to this day. I, I highly recommend that one. Um, not really any like movies or anything like that. Um, I also really liked, I think that there was a documentary called Fed Up and it talked a lot about the sugar and aspartame industry and all the corruption and that really blew my mind. So that's a good one too. But yeah, that book, really love that book. It's even still to this day, I, I suggest it to my clients and podcast listeners as well. Oh, great. I will link that in the show notes. <laughs> What can we do for more self-love today? <laughs> oh, I think... The key is honestly have compassion for yourself. So even if you're just starting this journey, you feel like you're immensely struggling with your health or food or your body, take a moment, take a couple deep breaths and be grateful for your body. Your body does so many amazing things for you and you may go, well, but I don't like the way my body looks right now. Yeah, you may not like the way she looks, but she still does everything that you need her to do, even if you are not happy with her. So having gratitude for the fact you can see, you can walk, you can breathe, your heart's beating without you even having to think about it, right? It's starting at that, what is such a basic vital level of gratitude for the, the functions our body does for us every day. Mm -hmm. I think that is a great place to start and throw out your waist scale. 
that's the other thing we can do to, you know, to start ending that addiction of weighing in is just get rid of the scale and go more off of the way you feel and the way your clothes fit. Super cool. <laughs> um, what is your favorite dish? Maybe besides oh. your breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's such a good question. Um, so if it's a savory, I, um, oh my gosh, favorite dish. I make such a good, um, homemade like taco salad with goat cheese and like good salsa and lots of vegetables. Love making that for a sweet. I absolutely love, um, I make like my homemade, I love make baking. So I love making a pumpkin spice loaf, mm. um, especially now that it's fall. So it's a couple of my favorites. Mm. what's your favorite place on earth where you feel most like home uh, other than home probably um in the rocky mountains there's a, a couple of beautiful places one called lake o'hara and it's it's the most beautiful place i've ever seen and then there's this beautiful health resort in the province next to us called sparkling hill and it's just such a beautiful healing place to go and relax and you know re-energize and the energy the vibration is so good there so those are our favorite places to go mm, nice is there any last piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners with um you know i think that you're not alone um it's not just certain people who get lucky and will heal this like you all deserve to heal and have food and body freedom you all deserve to learn how to love yourselves and connect with your intuition and listen to your body it's everybody deserves that so it's just a matter of everyone is going to do it on their own time and to be patient with yourself and let yourself take the time you need to take on your journey because it takes time so muster up some patience and just focus on the present moment one day at a time one step at a time because um, you'll have ups and downs on the journey but it's the most powerful journey you can ever go on because you're doing your life's work right so Be patient, take your time, and be forgiving of yourself. Mm, wonderful, Amber. Thank you so, so much for being here. I really enjoyed this interview with you. And yeah, thank you again for the important work that you do to help more thank women. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful for you. And thank you for having me today to share. Yeah. <laughs>